Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Leviticus, chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Hear now the word of God. When you realize your guilt in any of these, you shall confess the sin that you have committed. And you shall bring to the Lord as your penalty for the sin that you have committed, a female from the flock, a sheep, or a goat, as a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement on your behalf for your sin. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Over Lent, we have been looking at the five different sacrifices from the book of Leviticus and how they apply to us today. And so far, the first three are voluntary offerings. You give them because you want to, and as they burn, they're a pleasing aroma to God. The sacrifice itself, it gives God joy, but this sacrifice is different. The guilt offering is about something that's been broken. Something has gone wrong, and a sacrifice is required to make things right. And to see why each part of this sacrifice matters, we're going to look at a simple story. Two kids are playing together, Jake and Carl. And they've been friends since they were born, and their parents have been friends since before they were born. And their families hang out, the kids hang out, and they explore the woods together, and they build imaginary worlds, and they play games, and they laugh until they cry. And one day, Jake and Carl are playing together, and Jake is playing with Carl's favorite toy. It's an old G.I. Joe. It belonged to Carl's dad, and before that, it belonged to Carl's dad's dad, and it had been passed down to Carl. Jake is playing with it, and somehow, in a moment neither of them can ever really explain, it slips out of his hand and it starts to fall, and both boys lunge for it to try and grab it. But the G.I. Joe bounces on the ground just right, and the head pops off rolls under Jake's foot, and he steps on it. Totally broken. Jake feels terrible. Carl feels even worse. It was his grandpa's toy, broken to pieces. And Carl looks at Jake and says, Why'd you do that? It wasn't my fault. It was probably broken already. It's just a stupid old toy. And after that, the boys hardly speak until Jake's mom picks him up. And the next time they hang out, Carl still feels hurt. He says, how come you broke my favorite toy, Jake? And Jake is still too embarrassed to admit he did anything. It was just an accident, okay? You could have caught it when I dropped it. And it was just a stupid old toy. Why don't you forget about it? And just like that, there's a break between these two boys, these best friends. Something has come between them. It was just a mistake. In some ways, it was no one's fault. It was an accident. But if they don't deal with it, it sits between them like a carton of spilled milk. At first, it's just a mess. But if left uncorrected, it spoils. It goes sour. And the boys don't deal with it. Jake starts avoiding Carl because he feels guilty. He feels ashamed. And that turns into bitterness that Carl won't just let it go. So he stops inviting Carl over as much. And what's crazy about sin is that it, it ripples out. Carl and Jake's parents have been best friends for forever. But the kids don't give them an excuse to hang out anymore. 
It's the opposite. As the boys avoid each other, they pull their parents to different sports and clubs. And even when the families get together, the parents can't relax because they're trying to keep the boys from fighting. The boys fight. Their simple sin, it ripples out. And it doesn't break their parents' friendship, but it strains it. Leviticus teaches us that sin is always communal. It doesn't just affect the sinner, it always ripples out in waves that affect a community. And God is in the business of building a new community, a kingdom that looks like Him. So the power of sin, the way it ripples, is a big deal. Individual sin affects everybody. So you can't leave sin alone or it goes sour. You always have to deal with it. The sacrifice in Leviticus, the guilt offering, it's about how you deal with sin. Intentional or unintentional, it doesn't matter. An accident or something done on purpose, it always, if you look at it, begins, you shall confess the sin that you have committed. The G.I. Joe falls and it bounces on the ground just right and the head pops off and it rolls under Jake's foot and he steps on it, crushes it, totally broken. And Jake feels terrible, but Carl feels even worse. His grandpa's toy and it's broken to pieces. Carl looks at Jake, why'd you do that? Jake can deflect. It wasn't my fault. It was probably broken already anyway. Or he can confess. Carl, I am so sorry. That was your grandpa's toy and it was so cool. I'm so sorry I broke it. Wherever there is sin, the process of healing always begins with confession. Acknowledging that there was milk spilled. And when Jake confesses his sin, it isn't just about assigning blame. It's not just whose fault was this. The confession is Jake choosing his relationship with Carl over being right. He's choosing to be vulnerable with Carl instead of being right. And confession is vulnerable, it, but it isn't optional. Confession is always vulnerable, but it isn't optional. One day Jesus is teaching a crowd of people and he says, if you're bringing your gift to the altar, your sacrifice, but you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, drop your sacrifice on the ground where you're standing, turn around and run to them. Be reconciled and then make your sacrifice. That's straight out of this verse. If there is sin between you and another, run and be reconciled. God doesn't want your sacrifice until you run and be reconciled. And this is true as a community. In this story, if Jake refuses to confess, that ceases to be just his problem. It becomes the community's problem. It becomes their parents' problem. And we call a church a family, so we know there will be tension. When it comes, when things happen between individuals, those are also communal problems, aren't they? It affects all of us. Gossip trickles around. People may take sides. Someone might leave. The thing that broke ripples out and affects the community. If Jake doesn't want to apologize, his parents should tell him he has to. 
his friends should tell him, Jake, you don't want to apologize, but it's the right thing to do. And then if Carl doesn't want to accept the confession, the tables turn. Because the community's job is to be responsible for reconciliation. It's to mend the breach. And reconciliation always begins with confession, with an admission of sin, even if it was an accident. So Jake apologizes, and now Carl can accept the apology, and the two of them can mend the breach in their relationship. And you might be thinking, man, that was a really short sermon. But that's not the end. When I apologize, maybe this is just me, but when I apologize, I like that to be the end. Listen, I fessed up. It was my fault. I apologize. We can be done now, right? You, you say you're sorry and you'd like the situation to be over. But in Leviticus, a true apology requires a change to make things right. Often feeling guilty is easier than changing. Have you noticed this? Apologizing is easier than making things right, so apologizing can become a shield. Listen, I apologized. I feel terrible. Back off. I've apologized, and now you need to leave me alone. So we know how this goes. The G.I. Joe bounces on the ground just right, and the head rolls off, and Jake crushes it. And he feels terrible, but Carl feels worse. Why'd you do that, Jake? Carl, I am so sorry. That was your grandpa's toy, and it was so cool. I'm so sorry I broke it. And Carl accepts his apology, but he still feels bad. And the next time they're hanging out, Carl says, I still miss that toy. And Jake says, Carl, I said I'm sorry. You're making me feel bad even though it wasn't my fault. Look at Leviticus. For a sin, accidental or intentional, it doesn't matter. For a sin you committed, you confess. And then, accidental or intentional, you make a sacrifice. And the sacrifice is described as a penalty for the sin. Confession isn't an escape from taking responsibility. Uh, Confession isn't an escape from taking responsibility. It's the first step in the process of reconciliation, and it can't short-circuit the rest of the process. Because even if Jake apologizes, and even if Carl accepts the apology, something is still broken. And the sacrifice is about making that right. So you do what you can to make it right. If all that happens is the confession, look at the situation, you break the toy and you apologize, then they have to accept your apology. But Carl's still short a toy. You're fighting with someone you're close to. The fight gets heated and you say something that really hurts. Something you know they're insecure about. And you apologize, but even after they accept the apology, they can't unhear what you said. You have this brilliant idea and you put a ton into this project and someone you respect at work or wherever, they take all the credit. They apologize later. I'm sorry, it just slipped out. But that doesn't change the fact that everyone still thinks it was them. Confession doesn't fix the problem. It opens the door to resolution. So the G.I. Joe bounces on the ground and the head rolls off and Jake steps on it. He crushes it. Why'd you do that? I'm so sorry. And Carl accepts the apology, but he's still sad. 
a little tear runs down his little cheek. And Jake goes home and he tells his parents, and he says, I want to make it right. Because he doesn't want his friends to be sad. So they secretly go and get the toy and they try to glue the head back together. Or they look on eBay for a toy that looks the same. Or Jake just decides to give Carl his favorite toy. The point isn't to make things the way they were. That can't happen. For these kids or for our adult problems, things cannot go back to the way they were. The sacrifice is about making things right. Because when Jake makes the sacrifice, Jake was Carl's friend. And then Jake was the guy who broke Carl's favorite toy. But when he makes the sacrifice, he becomes Carl's friend who will sacrifice for their friendship. And instead of something being between them and pulling them apart, suddenly these two boys are closer than ever. That's the power of reconciliation. It's true that Jesus paid the price for our sins. And we don't have to kill an animal for God to forgive us. And if you decide to kill an animal in here, you can take that up with the chancel team. And I'm not taking the blame. (laughs) Amy says, no, you cannot kill an animal in here. You don't have to kill an animal anymore, but that doesn't mean forgiveness doesn't require sacrifice. That doesn't mean that this process of reconciliation doesn't require a sacrifice. The sacrifice is a sign of our commitment to God. And we also need to be reconciled to Him. So you choose to sacrifice sleep or to wake up early and pray. You choose to fast a couple meals. You choose to give up something that you like. This is Lent, after all. And we don't give it up so that God will forgive us. We give it up because we know we did something wrong. And it's a sign of our commitment to God. The G.I. Joe bounces on the ground just right. The head pops off. Jake crushes it. The words come out. You forget the thing that you shouldn't. Something broke. Maybe it wasn't even anyone's fault. But the thing is broken. And doing the right thing is too hard for us to trust ourselves. So Leviticus gives us a script. You confess, and then you sacrifice to make things right with whoever the sin is with and with God. It's two steps, so I know we can remember them. You confess, and you sacrifice to make things right. Two steps that are the key to so many issues of the society, to broken friendships, broken marriages, broken churches, broken families. Confess and sacrifice. It won't make things like they were, but it will lead to reconciliation. I'm going to tell a story about the youth doing this right, but I don't want them to get big heads, so know that you often don't. Okay? But we were, at, we were at Wendy's after a youth retreat. Uh, and people take their Wendy's food seriously, and they're very excited about it. And someone had a Frosty, and the Frosty spilled. Always an exciting moment. Uh, so she sets her, the rest of her food down on a table, and they all start cleaning it up. And then she's feeling discouraged, but she gets another Frosty and puts it on her tray and runs to the restroom. And while she's in the restroom, somehow, in a way that no one could really explain, the whole tray tipped off the table and all the food was ruined. 
It's not really anyone's fault. But while she was in the restroom, the kids ran to us. We are so sorry this happened that we just feel terrible. And them feeling terrible was great. But then they said, we've pooled some money and we want to rebuy her her lunch. And they did. They pooled their money and they rebought the lunch. They confessed the sin. Something was broken. It wasn't anyone's fault, but it was there. And then they sacrificed to make it right. And after the sacrifice, it's not just that things are okay, but the group is tighter than it was before. God's in the business of building a new community, a kingdom that looks like him. So he gives us this script, confess and sacrifice. And the better we follow it, the more we'll find our lives untainted by sin, and the more we'll find our lives characterized by the simple joy, the authentic love of two best friends who explore the world together and are held together by a wisdom of a God who loves them. Confess and sacrifice, and God will bring the healing. Let us pray. Lord, this morning we confess that when we sin, what we want to do is to hide it, to ignore it, or we want to apologize and move on. This morning I ask that you would bring to our minds the places in our lives where we need to confess and where we need to make a sacrifice to make things right. Would you give us the courage to follow after you in this and in all things? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.